Hello everyone, I am Elazar and this is Relationships Revisited. Welcome back. I'm glad to be here with you. And today we're doing a parenting episode. We are going to try and call a parenting insight lesson from this week's Torah portion, Parshat Vayeshev. In Parshat Vayeshev, we hear at the very beginning that Yaakov has a special affection, a special connection to his son Yosef. And it says that he loved Yosef more than any of the other brothers. And because of that, he made for him this ketonet pasim, this special tunic, special coat. And that leads to a lot of sibling rivalry. Sibling rivalry that is so intense that at one point they want to kill him. They end up selling him down to Egypt as a slave. And it's a painful saga. The concept of sibling rivalry is something that we see really throughout the entire book of Breshit, the entire book of Genesis. Just in the previous generation, for example, we see it with Yitzchak and Rivka. It says that Yitzchak loved Esav. Rivka loved Yaakov. There was there were preferred children. There was favoritism. And in that generation as well, it led to strife, deep strife and struggle between Yaakov and Esav, to the point that Esav wanted to kill Yaakov. Yaakov had to run away. So we are seeing intergenerational transmission of these experiences and of these dynamics. So today, I really am not going to get into the concept of favoritism. I think it's somewhat self-understood that favoritism is harmful. It's harmful, maybe less obviously, to the one that's being preferred, but it is harmful to him as well. And it's certainly harmful to the others that feel rejected. I'm not going to get into that right now. What I do want to get into is how to stop the intergenerational transmission of trauma, how to change dynamics, how to stop things from continuing in this vein from one generation to the next, which is actually, we, we see that here as at the end of the Torah portion where, or it's actually not in this Torah portion, but ultimately in Parshat Vayigash where the brothers are reunited and they, there's a, there's, there is peace. We're not getting there yet. First, we, I want to discuss how intergenerational trauma is transmitted, and this is an unconscious process. Generally, it's an unconscious process. It's because there are things that we have learned, things that we have been affected by, that we have little or no awareness of, and therefore we we pass it on. And that passing it on can happen in one of two common ways. The first common way that it happens is that I do more or less the same thing to my child that was done to me. That's all I know. That's all I'm familiar with. I, I don't know different. And so that's what I reenact. So a child that was neglected emotionally, for example, their parents were preoccupied, they were busy, they were consumed with themselves, and the child was ignored, and no one was really there curious about his world. And he lived kind of isolated within himself and his own experience and didn't, was not able to develop a strong sense of his inner world. Well, when he has children, it's going to be very hard for him to do for his son what was not done for him. On default, it's going to be very hard for him to make the space for his child to be genuinely curious about his child's world and to tune into that. More likely, he's going to, in one way or another, stay distant from his, his own son and not be able to open up space for his child's world. 
that that reenactment is one way that it's it's transmitted. Now his child's gonna is unfortunately gonna experience the same thing, that sense of emotional neglect, and is not gonna have his world tuned into, and potentially things now are passed downstream, down the pipe. A second way that trauma is transmitted from one generation to the next is let's say that the father Okay, he becomes aware enough of what happened to him as a son that he was ignored, he was neglected, and that didn't feel good to him. And he has some sense of the pain of that. Like, so he says to himself, when I'm a dad, I'm not going to do that with my son. I'm not going to be distant from him. I'm going to be involved in his life. I'm going to, I'm going to know what's happening with him. I'm going to be an involved dad. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, um, deeply immersed in his life. This overcompensation for the going to the other extreme is also very common. And it's while that's it's different, right? Because it's it's doing the opposite, it's still a form of intergenerational transmission of trauma because this says nothing about his son, his own son. Does his son want him to be that involved? Maybe his son wants a little bit more space. Maybe he wants him to be involved differently. Right? This is still him um, reacting to his trauma, going to another extreme. The trauma is still the motivating force behind how he is relating to his own son. And therefore, the trauma is now being transmitted further because he is not tuning in to his own son, which is in, in essence what he experienced. Neglect. You don't get me. And that is very common. The second one is very common and less obvious as a transmission of trauma, but happens all the time. So how do we stop this? How do we as parents stop this from happening? Well, the first thing we know is that we are developing awareness. We're developing awareness of what happened to us and being able to see it for what it is, not pointing fingers at our parents and blaming them. That is not helpful because our parents themselves were just doing their best. They were just doing the best they could with their, given their own handicaps and limitations of what they received from their parents. No, not pointing the finger, but actually seeing with clear eyes, what happened to me? What did I experience? What did it feel like? What did I say to myself? Making explicit what has been previously implicit or not even thought of. Taking what's below the line in, in, the, in the subconscious and bringing it above the line into full awareness and felt experience. As we do that, we are processing the trauma, we're expanding the picture, and then we are able to move into a space of more forgiveness. And this forgiveness is essential. It's forgiveness for the, our parents, for example, that were unable to do more. And it's also since forgiveness for ourself. It's saying that it wasn't my fault. I wasn't to blame. There's nothing wrong with me. That's what often, for example, a child will say to himself, there's something wrong with me, and that's why my parents didn't tune in to me. There's something deficient or defective. So it's, it's learning to, to release that. That's not true. 
So it's expanding the picture. And that's exactly what Yosef did. What Yosef did is he to re, to reunite with his brothers eventually in order to move into a place of forgiveness. He expanded the picture. He saw how everything that happened was all part of God's plan. That his brothers meant to harm him, but that they really had no control. This was all part of God's plan for Yosef to be go, to to descend down into Egypt and to to save to become the second to the king, the second to Paro, and to save the entire region from a, a devastating famine. That was part of the bigger picture, part of the bigger plan, and that that is moving to a much more expansive space. It doesn't take away from the pain that was experienced, but it puts it into context. And by putting it into context, it allows the toxic emotions of resentment and of anger and of it to be released. And so the brothers reuniting with Yosef and Yosef forgiving them and then them embracing and coming back together, Yosef has forgiven them. And although it's not stated explicitly, he has forgiven himself in a sense. He is, he's no longer, he no longer looks at himself, at himself as, as a victim, as somebody that this happened to. Like the verse said, Yosef Hurad Mitzrayim, the Yosef was brought down to Egypt, right? This, a passive experience of something happening to me. He had, he had to come to see this as something that came from Hashem, broadening the context. And that's why his children, Ephraim and Menashe, are the, the, they epitomize brotherly love. When we bless our children, we say, Yesimcha Lokim Menashe. I want to bless you to be like Ephraim and Menashe. Why Ephraim and Menashe? Because they were brothers where there is no longer any strife between them. There was love. There was affection one to the other. That both of them made up the tribe of Yosef. They together made up the tribe of Yosef. There was no longer a split. And the reason there was no longer a split was because Yosef had come to this place of stopping the intergenerational transmission of trauma of 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 sibling rivalry and the forgiveness that um, stops me from doing the same thing in one way or another. So that's how intergenerational trauma is, is, is stopped. It's becoming aware enough of myself and then expanding the picture to one where I can let out a breath, there might be tears there, but I'm able to see the truth of it to feel compassion for myself, for, for what has happened here, and for for my parents as well, as not being able to do more, or, or having, having the resources themselves, and perhaps what happened to them, and letting that all just dissolve. Okay. Forgiveness. And then I can actually tune in to my children in a way that is really about them, and then no longer is this, this, pain reenacted in the next generation in one way or the other. Hope this makes some sense. Yosef was the one that brought this to a close, and it's really the story of Sefer Bereshit, moving to a place of, in a space of forgiveness, of recognizing the broader expansiveness of it all, and how it all fits in, and that allows us to forgive to forgive and to move up into a place of compassion, understanding for ourselves and for others. 
Wishing everybody blessings of a beautiful Hanukkah, and I look forward to being together with you next time here. Relationships Revisited, Exploring the Space Between. Thank you.